everybody. Welcome back to the Better Call Saul Insider Podcast. This is episode 507, JMM. I'm Chris McCaleb. I'm one of the editors of the series. I'm also the editor of this episode. Uh, we don't have Kelly Dixon. Oh, thank you very much. Uh, we don't have Kelly Dixon today. Uh, she is, again, on assignment, on location, and uh, is working today. It's a Saturday, and she's unfortunately unable to be here for this one. But she says hi to everybody and wishes that she could be here. Uh, but we have a lot to talk about with this episode. This episode was written by Allison Tatlock and directed by Melissa Bernstein. Yay! Yes. Well done. So you may also know as one of the executive producers of the show and of Breaking Bad. And uh, we have a lot of guests. Let me introduce everybody. Uh, I'll go around the table. Of course, first, our uh, co-creators and executive producers and all-around awesome guys, Peter Gould and Vince Gilligan. Yay! Yeah. Hello, Yay listeners. Us. Yay, us. Yes. Um, Hello. Look at us. We're here. It's good to see you guys. <laughs> yeah. Bright, bright and, and late on a Saturday morning. I guess you can't say bright and late. That doesn't make any sense. Uh, and then we've got- carving new ground. That's right. In LA, it does. <laughs> it gets brighter the later you go. That's right. Uh, well, that you know that voice. You know him. He's the, the titular character, at least this season, in some respects, Saul. That's Bob Odenkirk. Yay! Yay! Hello. Thanks for coming in today, Bob. Yeah, glad to be here. I uh, was just writing an email last week to my PR reps about how we're going to do the TC8, uh, where we promote the show for season five, which is coming on soon, and how I don't remember anything. <laughs> and also, I said, not only that, I don't remember season four. And so I need a, I need an update on four so that I can talk to people about you know where it, where it is before season five starts and not make a mistake and accidentally talk about something that I shot in season five thinking you've already seen it in season four because right. I haven't seen season four a second time yet. Right. right, and you haven't seen any of season five. And I haven't seen any of season right. five. And, um, you know, when you're acting it and you're acting it and you're obviously doing it out of order, mm -hmm. right? Because we can't, you can't shoot in order. I mean, some some things are done that way, but rarely because you know you, it's hard to anyway. That's a rare thing to get to do that, but we could certainly not do it. We're lucky to shoot one episode at a time. Some right. TV shows have to shoot two at a time, and then that really scrambles your brain, mm -hmm. you know, and the journey of the character or whatever. But um, it really can be hard to remember what the hell happened in what <laughs> of order. Of course, you know. Yeah. I mean, it's hard. It's hard for us, and we're seeing these things ten, twenty, thirty, hundreds of times. Sometimes, you know, bits and pieces of the yeah. episode, and it's still we could be like, "Wait, what happened in that scene, or what happened in that episode?" But I can't. I think you've even talked about it on the podcast where you just kind of have to purge your memory because there's so much. Well, dialogue. I don't know if I had a lot of concussions as a child. <laughs> I don't think I did, but if you did have a lot, you might not remember having them. <laughs> right? Yeah. But there's one of the great things about acting is the the goal is to be in the moment. So it's really kind of helpful if you're uh, <laughs> a yeah. shallow person. <laughs> you're just present. Well, yeah. Who's present. I, mean, it's a, I guess it's also helpful to have a script, and we're also lucky to have the writer of that script, Allison Tallock. Yay! Yeah. Glad to hey, be Allison. here. 
Yeah, when you talked about what happened in this episode, I was like, "Geez, that's like that's a lot of writing. That's a <laughs> lot. That's a lot, a lot of, of words. That's a lot. Well, it's not just a lot of words. It's a lot of different, sort of very tonally, I think, different episodes. What you described to me happens in this episode. Yeah, in this right, right episode before we started recording, has these very different segments that mm-hmm. are different from each other and uh, make some take some strong. Strong choices. I mean, that turn you just described to me of Jimmy in the hallway in the in the courthouse. That's at the end. You said yes. What a wild choice! A sort of personal fracturing of a person's uh, point of view. This episode was really fun to write. I have to say because there was so much to dig into emotionally. It's a, I think, a deep episode. Yeah. Lots going on psychologically, and it was incredibly gratifying to see mm-hmm. you do that last bit in particular. We talked about that scene a lot in the room, and then to see it come to life was one of those super uh, gratifying writer moments. I have to say. Well, and when I read when I read the scene originally, I actually thought, oh, this is going to feel very empowering for Jimmy. Like this is going to be um, like a moment of sort of strength and of like offense for him. But the way you played it, Bob, it's it's there's so much vulnerability in it, oh, yeah. and so much pain in it, and so much anger in it that it's so much better than I imagined. Like, I mean, that's like such a thrilling experience to yeah. see a scene become something well beyond your imagination. We were all kind of vibrating, I have to say, like on the set watching that at the end, and I felt like my expression was frozen. I mean, we can't see how insane I look right now, but it was like a frozen expression of overly enthusiastic madness that I tried to then temper so I wouldn't seem like a lunatic. Oh, it was, and I, I, I want to talk about the similar experience of getting the dailies, um, but we wouldn't have those dailies without the director of this episode, also, like we already said, executive producer of the show. Oh, you're still in the intro section. And we were still, we are <laughs> yeah, still, yeah. we're gonna, we're gonna spend about an hour introducing, then we'll wrap it up, and that'll be the end. It's just a long introduction. <gasps> yes. Um, uh, still Melissa, here. Melissa Bernstein. Hello. Yay. Yay. We did. A, this is the. Is this now? Correct me if I'm misstating this. This is your directorial debut. Indeed. Wow. That's un, un fucking believable. That y- you. I mean, I mean, you've you've been in this sort of film school of Breaking Bad and Better Call Saul that That's is, right. you know, we're working with some of the best filmmakers and actors and writers and crew um, editors, um, uh-huh. you know, around. You had to get that in, didn't you? <laughs> yeah. so you know what? True. Yeah. This Only is because somebody, exactly. somebody has to say it. It, it is true. It. it is true. Uh, but, you know, directing is really hard. And there's so many moving pieces. And the fact that you came in and you directed something with such finesse and such precision and skill it 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 really is i mean it 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 doesn't feel like a different doesn't feel like oh what's what's this episode it 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 is of a piece with the show and it was uh incredibly uh delightful to get to work with you on it i was it was every day we got dailies it was it was so exciting that's far too kind it was not knowing how easy you made it look let's just let's just say that let's just say that and also you know it's executive producer can mean a lot of different things uh you know it's one of those it's a funny thing about producer titles in our business it's just you really don't know from hearing a title what someone actually does and melissa is at the beating heart of this show uh you know she is she is she has been 
but I, I mean every aspect of it and and uh so uh, she's in the editing room she's you know she's you know she's around conceptually and you know and she's she's there on the set a lot and preps with the directors and i have to say i really wasn't you know sometimes it's a little bit of a, a leap of faith uh to have a new director any new director even a director who's who's done a lot and it's just new to us i had not i didn't have a single worry about having melissa direct this uh but having said that um I just couldn't be happier with the episode. I'd say I think it's a remarkable piece of filmmaking. It's, an it's awesome really, really. I feel like you're all aware of some medical diagnosis. I've not <laughs> well, been. Yeah, made and, privy and to. You look yes. great, Melissa. Everything is happy. She, Melissa also, and I'll say this is a, a showrunner. Uh, she's invaluable in many, many aspects, all creative aspects. She also has a one of her strengths. Don't listen. Uh, is just working with people. Just working with people and, oh, yeah. and and working with different personalities and and being able to deal with different personalities and different creative personalities, and that's right at the heart of what a director does. Uh, you know, as a director has to be many things to many different people, and it was great, great, great work. And uh, I, I I was so proud of that ending of that episode because it is it's a big risk for, for to have this episode that starts off in this way, which you know this, we haven't even talked about the wedding. It's but, but crazy. This starts off with the, this this wedding, uh, and, and one of the things I love about what we accomplish is we have a, two characters who get an office together for love, and then get married for business reasons. <laughs> uh, uh, only on Better Call Saul. Only on Better Call Saul. Uh, but then, and then it ends with Jimmy kind of breaking in this very public way, and 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 the fact that you you Bob any 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 big move like that. It just takes a lot of nerve. It takes a lot of it, you, and you do it with such abandon. Great, you the must guy's have felt. Up. You must have felt really. You must have felt safe to, to do that. You know, because it's, it's for sure. It's it's big and and bold. Yeah, I always feel safe doing this show. I mean, I trust the other performers and the directors and the the crew around me. And you know, I um, I think the guy cracks up fairly often <laughs> <laughs> he does. he's got a lot of pressure on him yeah, yeah. Uh, a lot of internal pressure and 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 I thought that was uh, as I remember it uh, a legitimate place for all of his uh, uh, frustration and shame to go is, mm -hmm. is striking out and uh, striking back at, at Hamlin Plus, you guys are so good at writing justifications, sort of the characters' uh, self-justifications mm -hmm. for whatever f they're feeling or want to say or, or do, especially Jimmy. And that gives me a, an emotional logic and a, and a uh, thinking logic that he can use to, to do whatever he wants. In this case, to uh, lose his cool and uh, tear up uh, Hamlet, hopefully to make Hamlet feel bad. And I loved what Patrick did in that scene too. Like he is, he, I think he's really struggling to understand Jimmy in that moment, but like- As he, are we all. Yeah, but he also has this way of pushing his buttons that is just like, that does get under your skin. And he's doing both at the same time, I think in such a, a convincing and, and like 
you know, meaningful way. I was really struck watching it again, how the death of Chuck is invoked in such a direct way, because so much of season four was about the fallout of the loss of Chuck, and then in season five, we kind of buried it, Mm -hmm. and it's bubbling underneath, and then bam, it just comes daggering out in that scene, and it's kind of shocking. I mean, it was shocking even to me, having written it and seen it shot repeatedly and watched it many times, just to hear that accusation and hear you say Chuck's name. And Jimmy's almost, he, he's hes trying to weaponize it. And, and the what he doesn't necessarily realize is that Hamlin has done so much work on himself that it doesn't have necessarily have the effect that he wants it to have. Instead, it's like an ex- explosive that blows up in his own face. Hmm. And it just hurts himself. How about the wedding, though? Was it yeah, moving? It is moving. <laughs> <laughs> it's really it's beautiful. It's funny, right? Because... Doesn't uh, Jimmy's kind of? Well, it's actually kind of great, right? He's part of him is utterly earnest about it and feeling great, genuinely feeling great, but also knowing that it's a transaction or a arrangement, but kind of hoping that there's something real inside it. Yeah, and to see Jimmy and Kim get caught up in that moment genuinely yeah. is really arresting. Well, like, you can certainly see how Jimmy. I mean, there's a lot in it for Jimmy, but it, I, as a, as a, you know, as a fan of the show as well, I just, I, I feel like, well, what about Kim? I mean, this seems like they're making uh, such a huge decision. I know that after we read the end of episode six, uh, I know Alicia, our associate producer, we had the exact. We, like, we read, read it around the same time, and we had to. We came running up to the writer's office to be like, "Whoa, whoa, 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 whoa! What? Fu- no, 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 no! Hold on! I need to see what happens next." And she actually got the outlines. I and I, I, I don't get the outlines. I get get the scripts, and and so she was able to know. Like, was like, "Whoa, wait, what?" So she asked him to marry it. And this is crazy. <laughs> And to see that it actually, no, that's what's happening. They're fucking getting married. It's like, it's such a, it's such a big deal for me as a person who feels very protective of, I mean, I don't know how you feel about it, Bob, as far as being protective of characters. Cause I know Ray has said that in that scene at the end of episode of season four, where at the top of the roof that Vince directed, Uh where they're just like having at it, Uh she said, you if you guys had an argument or like a conversation about motivations that you would defend Jimmy and she would defend Kim as that, as that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Yeah. Because you're sort of in the heads Mm -hmm. and I, I just feel, I just, I worry for Kim because we know what we know. We ultimately know where Jimmy's going. We know what Jimmy's capable of, and and Kim, she just gets so swept up in this. Well, she's she's in sick. She's identifying like that she can't pin him down. That he, you know, that like um, he he could get her and them in a lot of trouble. That his judgment is in question. That he can't be counted on to use any restraint. And then her antidote to that is marriage. I mean, and that seems very very self destructive. Well, it's 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 a it's an either or. She makes a you know she says we've reached a, a we've reached the point, fork in the road here. I was I have to say I was this sequence this teaser in this episode that we're talking about had me greatly worried because I was so concerned that it would end up being sappy or cute that those were, and which are and 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 
just that it would just kind of be a little saccharine in right. some way. You know, you're going to take these two characters who, and one of the things I've loved about these two is that they've been, uh, it's a very real relationship. It's not super touchy-feely that we haven't been hitting romantic notes. There's a, there's love there that's beyond, like, the trappings of romance, you know. And uh, so to have them actually go and get married uh, really did, it made me jumpy the whole time. And this was actually one of the things that probably worried me the most in the episode. Uh, and we thought about it a lot. We talked about it a lot. And, and I think it's great. Uh, and and I, I like the fact that you see people getting married in City Hall. It's the way my parents were married. Uh, it's uh, And it's all about, they're, they're not using any of the trappings. And they're saying it's all for legal reasons. But then there's that great moment when they're facing each other and the judge forces them to face each other. And uh, it's there's a lightness to it and a connection that's just I don't know I just I just love it I just love I just love it it's, it's very the funny the mix is you're you're comfortable with where you ended up yes because it was scary totally, right totally scary yeah I get yeah. it I get it because obviously the two characters have genuine affection and love for each other right yes and also frustration and resentment and yeah and desire to, for something better everything and any. If you lean too hard into any direction, you just could be a mess. And you know, I mean, it. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, yeah. the the actor that played the officiant, Jim Hoffmaster, was incredible <laughs> too. He was I awesome. mean, he's so much fun to watch, and like he, I think he really nailed it and yeah. added a whole layer for Kim and Jimmy to react to, like his sort of offbeat uh -huh. nature that like is the kind of thing that takes you you know, by surprise in the moment and like, and allows you to start to get the feels. He takes all the romance out of our modern conception of a wedding. Yeah. And what's crazy is like you said, this business arrangement, it actually sparks some of the most romantic expressions that we've seen from these two characters. I don't, and I'm not just talking about the, the, the scene later when they're, they're starting to make love like the the look in each, each other's eyes i mean it, it is it's always opposites with them it's mm -hmm. you know in this like stark <laughs> empty gross courthouse this like real genuine affection comes in and and uh, which is all, always nice to see cuz jimmy is such an emotional guy i mean such an emotional guy and it's exciting when it's a, such a positive emotion that comes out of him. And, you know, that's interesting you said that, uh, Chris, and, and I, I, I feel that way too. But what do you think, Bob? Is, is Jimmy an emotional guy? I do. You yeah. do? I think his, his, he can access some pretty strong, deep feelings pretty quickly, whether he wants to or not. They just kind of bubble maybe, out and crack out open. His surface cracks maybe fair, that's why uh, fairly could, often. It's interesting because maybe that – because when you – Chris, when you were saying it, I thought – I mean, yeah, he explodes with emotion, but is he in you know in touch with him, so to speak, in in terms of is he this is is he aware of what he's really feeling? It, it, which goes back to that amazing scene at the end. I don't mm -hmm. think a guy who's definitely an emotional guy, to be sure, certainly an emotional outburst at the end there. But is that a guy? Would that emotional outburst have come if this guy really was in touch with his emotions? Does he? Does he? He's know emotional. Him, does he know him? himself? Yes, he, yeah, has, he, he know, certainly he has feels, no control of his feels, emotions. But, but how well does he know himself? But they're like they're 
boiling out of places he doesn't even he doesn't even comprehend them almost. right yeah, yeah. yeah i think that make which to which to me makes yeah. a moment like the end of the wedding when they're make doing their vows it makes it all the more surprising and and meaningful because it really seems to and again it's it's and i don't bob i don't even do you you don't like to watch stuff that you're in right is that uh, i don't in general i guess you, i feel like i don't have one way or the other feeling about it I don't. Okay. Yeah, I I don't I don't really care. <laughs> it's weird. I don't know my relationship to it. We were talking about Little Women, and yeah. I've seen that twice. I'd watch it again. I know I'm in it, but it's not. It's not it why I'd watch out. it or why I wouldn't right. watch it. Right. I just like the movie. That's I cool. like the characters, and yeah. there's a lot of Mr. Show sketches that I love. You know, I, I and, and I don't really not because I'm in them, or and I don't. Some of them I'm not in, some of them I'm in, but I don't care one way or the other. Do you have that experience? Uh, I'm sort of like what you were saying with the show, like you need to be reminded because I mean, it, it, there's so it happened a while ago and it's so well, dense. Do you have that experience also with Mr. Show? Like, do people say like, "Hey, remember that sketch we did?" And you're like, re- "Remind me." I remember more of that because I wrote most of it. Right. And that's okay. a different relationship to it, and also, right. also. Um, edited it and mm-hmm. you know finished the production on it that's just a lot of investment into every moment that happened right whereas as an actor one of the great things is to take these moments and scripts and learn them and and be in the moment and think about all the feelings the character has and what he's trying to do in that moment and and where it all comes from and where it's all headed and and just be there and then that's it and then you move on to the next one you sort of don't you don't go back over it much, you know? I mean, it all becomes a part of this person that you feel like you get to know, which is, I think, one of the issues uh, we talked about last year, uh, because now we all feel like we really know our characters and we like them a lot. Hmm. So uh, we uh, are more defensive of what they would do next or what we want them to do next, right. as opposed to what they do do next. I mean, I think Jimmy's journey for my uh experience of it is that he is growing and that he is uh, maybe maturing a little bit against his will but still making bad choices but I feel like he is he's he's getting smarter about who he is doesn't mean he likes it or doesn't mean he wants to welcome that information or sit with it that's interesting like a Buddhist he just he can't deny that he's learned about himself and that's wonderful. As, as for me as an actor, I love that he's getting smarter about the feelings that he has. That doesn't mean that in that moment with Hamlin, he, I feel like at this point that character is smart enough to know what he's doing, but he doesn't give a shit. He, he'd still prefer to just cut loose and, and, and push back on this guy and, and see how much he can hurt someone else because um, he's feeling hurt. Um, but um, he, as opposed to who he was when we started this thing, I think he is way more aware of the kinds of bad choices he makes or the places he puts his frustration and anxiety and, and uh, uh, pain. He, he can see that he's doing that, but wow. he still runs from it. He still jumps and mm-hmm. tries to dodge it all. But at least he's getting more aware, I think, and there have been moments that are really wonderful where the two characters, in particular, um, uh, Kim and Jimmy, 
seem to have a a bigger sense of um, of their own um, the way they react to each other, mm. and um, and that's really great when they have those moments. Anyway, just in general, it's just been great that they've had a growth in their self awareness, even when they like I say, even when they push against it or run from it. You just can play the character that they can smell their own deceit or their own fear or their own... You can just play it. You get to play it now. As opposed to when he was younger. And he was just... He he was blind to these things that were driving him or provoking him. Yeah. And are you guys able to have conversations like that? Like, Mm -hmm. Melissa, are you... like In a moment like the end of this episode or at the you know at the altar basically like are you able to have those conversations about the nuances and motivations are those or peter vince allison pretty much anybody including joey reinish editor assistant editor hey. and co-pilot. <laughs> hi chris as long as we're still in the introduction yeah. Phase. <laughs> yeah. um but are you, out as long as possible that's right yeah. are you able to have those kind of conversations or is this is there I, too much going on on set well i think we're having those conversations a- along the way mm-hmm. and we're having them in different groups and in different rooms like bob and ray and patrick like they come to set having done the work mm-hmm. like they've rehearsed and they've thought a lot about it and they've asked each other questions and they've had those conversations really outside of you know for the most part outside of people in this room although there will also be usually some kind of conversation once you and the actors have read the scripts about oh this I have a question about this I have a thought about this I have a concern about but like you know they're it's kind of a bullet pointy kind of well list our goal of things. I, I think Ray would agree with this I I think we've even talked about it is to if there's something big to try to bring it up as like immediately like right after you read the script if, mm-hmm. if you don't understand something or you want more understanding of a choice the character makes or whatever or what's driving them you, as quickly as you can write it down and state it clearly and, and try to get into that conversation about because that could be those conversations can be long and considered and and take a lot of uh thought and contemplation uh, so you want to use the little time that you have as well as you can. And then when it comes right. to a line, I personally will wait sometimes till we're on set to go like, I have an alt line maybe you want to listen to and think about what it means. But if it's just a, it's just a line, it's just a, maybe oftentimes for me, it's like something I think is kind of funny, I could say. Um and, and, Which may be appropriately funny and <laughs> maybe inappropriately not, you know, too too self-aware or too uh, too comic or something, and, and like if I think, and we really appreciate their approach to that because if we were having those sort of deep conversations on set for the first time, like we'd have the crew would be sitting around twiddling their thumbs and like our day would go out the window, honestly. So it, it really one of the great things that happened that in Breaking Bad, and I don't remember what the scene was, but it was me and Brian in the office. I know that Saul's office, but I don't know which scene was when Brian stopped filming for about 20 minutes oh, to have a conversation. Oh, I remember that very well. Okay, Vince remembers it. <laughs> it didn't happen often, but the fact that it even happened once uh, makes me feel a little better about when I struggle with something. I feel like if Brian also <laughs> had struggles sometimes with uh, 
uh, something that drove a character or, you know, a choice the character made or the way they spoke or what played out in the moment. If even he needed, you know, if he butted up against that and just couldn't work it out. um, I try to get that done long before we get to set. How much I appreciate that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah we don't, don't have time. I don't think you can't that, be doing that. Well, I don't think. I'm that sure fast. Brian didn't want no, to do that either. This, no, this was this was a blocking issue. I think Brian even talks about it in his autobiography, which is an awesome auto, What's an awesome yeah. book, by the way. Yeah. For those who haven't read it, it's really, really, really well written and uh, really interesting. And I learned a lot about him. But that was a blocking issue, and I. It's funny that was we were I had it one way in my mind and Brian had it one way in his mind and we're talking on the phone 800 miles away as the as daylight's burning and the clock is ticking. But 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 someone might hear what we just said and think why would you have an argument about where the characters stand? Well, because it says a lot about who they think they are in the moment, what they think is happening. It's not just literally about where you're yeah, standing exactly. in this. It's, exactly. it's about m- way more than that. It's yeah. about what energy you come into the room with, what you think you're doing. Yeah. How the you characters know, so, are changed so, after yeah, that. So, yeah. It, it, yeah, so, so it, it was maybe about blocking, but it was about the character. Yeah, and it's it was ultimately about, all about the character. Yeah. Exactly right. But it's, the, yeah. no, go ahead. Else. It was so great to work with Melissa in particular on this episode, I think, because though a first-time director, someone with such history and deep understanding of the characters. I think I would have been a lot more nervous <laughs> to work with a first-time director on this show, on this episode. Mm-hmm. Somebody who was coming in, even someone who was very familiar with the show, but because, Melissa, you have such a deep understanding of the characters, I felt like, oh my gosh, we are, we're all in good hands. We can have these conversations, we can have a shorthand. Um, and 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 we can dig in and hopefully get on the same page and then do these scenes that are that have a lot going on emotionally. So it was really gratifying collaboration. I for would me never have way. thought it was your first time directing. Uh, Both. I mean, so I, I didn't look into it, but <laughs> I mean, no, I mean, I didn't like. But if you'd asked me, I would have said, I don't know, maybe she directed one or two Breaking Bad's because it was very. Uh, just knew what you were doing. You're very confident and calm, calm. and open to hearing people's yeah. thoughts, which a lot of uh, directors who would be uh, less experienced would be very afraid of getting to set and having uh, someone else have an idea <laughs> because you've planned and you've mm-hmm. worked and you've mm-hmm. got a limited amount of time and like, oh, shit, somebody wants to throw a wrench in. Fuck, I don't know how I'm going to deal with this. And you you just had none of that energy and you were able to listen and and consider options and there are always last minute changes even if it's not an actor mm-hmm. which is believe me enough fucking trouble <laughs> whatever you do whatever you write don't involve actors <laughs> even if that's what please, I was doing. AI, where is it? <laughs> uh, what, not AI. Uh, what is it? Yeah. Uh, like AI. motion capture. Or, or CGI. Motion, or, yeah, CGI. Yeah, motion CGI. Let's move it along. No. No, no. And, and I just want to say, too, just based on your question, like aside from what the actors have done and the interplay, you know, between our gangs as we're going through, like the, you know, with Peter and Vince if and Allison and, you know, whatever writer, director, combination is around like we are sitting and talking about the intention of the scenes like through prep 
like at many different stages. And we right. have, you know, I think we've probably talked about it on other uh, podcasts, but a tone meeting that lasts the majority of a day. And even if it's people who know each other very well and who are very involved in the process and the decisions and the choices and the ideas, like we're talking about everything, about is the door open or closed and why is it open? And, uh, you know, and I mean, we talked at length about Kim and Jimmy facing one another in the courtroom, like and how that, that would moment. and how that would come to play. Yeah, because and like and we come to it with different ideas and different thoughts. And we talk about the absolute minutia for hours if we need to. So well, like you were certainly prepared for that, having been a part of that process for pretty much every episode going back close yeah. to a decade. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's been <laughs> I think most the directors are the, are like when they're in prep, they're like, oh, when can I just get in there and start working? And I was like, I can stay in prep forever. This is like my I, this is my jam. I get prep. But what was what was your experience? Uh, you know, how was it different being on the set as as the director? What was it like? I mean, it was very different. Like I asked to take this on. I mean, with Vince's encouragement for sure. But I asked for it because it made me scared and uncomfortable. Like it is many episodes of this show of Breaking Bad, of Rectify and Halt, like that I have been a part of and where I am with the director in prep. I mean, that's mostly where I spend my time, you know, scouting and like and, and working on costume and working on production design and all of those specific elements. Like the idea of being on set and being the sort of ultimate creative decision maker like I'd not done that like I definitely sat in at village and been like given a director a note after a take or talked to the writer about don't you think this is maybe should be a little bit more like this and like I've definitely weighed in but like for those decisions to be mine was like pretty scary but what was amazing about it was that like I do know the cast really well. I do know the story really well. I know the scripts really well. I know I understand these characters and their arcs. I think there's always something to discover, but like I do get that. Um, to have Allison, who is like such an incredible writer, and also has that ability to listen and and say, you know, that's a that's an interesting idea. I think I could integrate this in that way and be flexible and be a problem solver and you know take a, a question and make it elevate the scene that was and by the, your experience by the way as an actor like is was really useful too and then to have an editor like Chris where I every day before I shoot I sent him my shot list and I said what do you think Chris like do you think what do you think do you think I'm missing anything is there anything you feel like I should be flagging and every day he came back with an idea a thought like this is what I've noticed or like I think this shot in particular is going to be really important so you know and in an encouraging collaborative way my husband is a camera operator like I made him sit with me every night and say let's go through the shot list like wow, let's wow. look at, let's let's look at this overhead with me and let's talk it through and make sure I'm not going to miss anything I produced my directing by like you know all of the people I know that know what the fuck they're doing to help me figure out what the fuck I'm doing you know and I really did lean on everybody hard like the production designers Paula Del Santo and Mark Freeborn I was like okay 
you know, come on, like, let, let's talk this through and let's figure it out. And Christian, our location manager, like, I mean, my location, those locations are amazing. They I are. mean, you know, like, and, and I mean, everybody helped me figure it out. But like, that's why I like, it felt different. And, um, but I love the part I loved that I was was the working with the actors in on that level because I don't have the I mean I definitely I talk to some of the actors a lot along the way after scripts come in and we talk about things in broad strokes but like to be able to get in there granularly like with the scene and say like I'm really excited about this moment and what if you're standing there or what if the juicer's on or like you know just and being able to play with those moments in like a really like detailed way was really exciting and fun and gratifying. Did you learn anything from the, uh, like that it, when you do it again, which I definitely <laughs> hope you will, Absolutely. did you did you learn any lessons where the things like, you know what, is there anything specific where you're like, I would do that differently next time or I would do it exactly the same or how, or is there anything that, that, that for, you know, people who are directors out there that, that that you learned that you might um I it's a that's a really good question and like I, I mean I definitely feel like now that some of these things won't feel new and scary that I'll have more bandwidth to um take a few more chances um you know like and I'm still learning about like you know screen direction and the you know being on the right side of the line and when you when you don't have to be you know when you can jump the line and like there's some technical things that even though I've been in the you know in this process a long time that I that I'm not fluent in and I think I got a little bit more comfortable with with some of those things and so I think it will allow me to then be bolder with some of the frames and you know and and think things through a little more thoroughly like you know when I'm in a location before the you know before the actors come and and just sort of um seeing the matrix if you will you know because <laughs> I don't think I think there were times where I'm like I'm not seeing it you know and then like it came together in a different way but maybe I'll, I'll be a little closer to are you gonna say it. action next time or no I it's a good that's <laughs> my goal of this episode was to get on camera for Melissa Bernstein's first ever directing uh, of an episode to her saying action. She and didn't say action. She didn't no. Know. Directors I, don't say action. They don't say action. I don't either. A lot of people don't. It's the second, it's, yeah. Right? They, they I, I, action, directors, yeah. directors, no one else should say cut except for the director. <laughs> right. Yeah. She but I, I'm saving my voice when I'm not saying yeah. action. I'd rather the AD do it. I think that's wise. Especially yeah. when you got to really bellow it out and I, I have a weak voice and it uh, strangulates easily and I'd, I'd rather have my AD. Is that, was that what you were doing? Yeah, yes. I mean, I'm Rich Sickler, who is uh, the first AD on this, is incredible and somebody I've known for years and yeah. did another show with too. And I mean, I just trusted that like he, like he has a really good sense of the rhythm of the show too. Mm -hmm. So he knows, okay, deep breath. Every, you know, like he knew actually how to reset the, you know, the moment every time in a magical way. And like, I, I could not have done a better job than he did on it. But also like, as it, it was like, um, baby's first episode. So like, everybody's <laughs> like, you know, Rich had his camera out when he when he thinks I'm going to say action. So instead, I like kicked him in the shin. I really we do have that kick him yeah. in the shin, and That's I was funny. like, "You say action, man." Well, it's so. you know because you, you're universally beloved. So everyone was everyone was rooting for that's, you. That's the truth. That's, yeah. that's, that's, that's another. That's another. That's a singular advantage to have, especially because you know we you know, I, as television directors have a really rough job. Uh, if you think about 
Oh, being yeah. being a director who goes from show to show and literally being the only person on set who doesn't know everybody. Yeah. I, that's that's a huge thing to overcome. Uh, and I, I've never, obviously, I've never had to do that. Me neither. I, I wouldn't I, want I, to do that. I can't, I, I, but I had, they, I, my respect is, is all there for folks who do that. And, yeah. and that is the other, like, I actually sort of unlikely surprise for me having done this is I... There's times I've been with directors, and if they're not making all the every decision like in the most sort of intricate way, I'm like, what are they doing? Are they lazy? Are they phoning it in? Why don't they care? Why? And I realized, and I can't even believe it took this process to do that. Is like how incredibly talented all of our department heads are, and I I love and respect all of them, but like I was just I was so moved by like how much they know, and that like they. Uh, they know better. I mean, they mm -hmm. actually do. And like, I was able to like give over to them, and it made the show better by mm -hmm. far. And like, I was, I like, I couldn't believe it. Sort of took sitting in that seat to realize that every single one of our department heads is just incredible. And then the departments, you know, beneath them are incredible. And like the crew was astounding. Like they never gave up on anything. Like even when it was a long day, they're like smiling and working hard and coming up with ideas. And like, I just, I, I, I realized that is, they, it is just like, there's so much value in engaging those folks who have that expertise. Oh man, yeah. They're there are two deceptively complicated scenes. Well, there are a lot of complicated scenes in this episode and the show in general, but one of them being the scene with Jimmy and Kim when they come home and they're married. It's the first time they've come home and they're married and something overtakes them. And it's, 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 a, it's a sensitive scene. And I just wanted to hear you guys talk a little bit about the shooting of that scene, if you remember much of that at all. I mean, it seems like that's a really, it's a, this is a very different type of scene for this show. We've never seen this level of intimacy, not just clothes coming off, but really intimacy between these two characters and seeing it on, on screen. And I, I just, I wondered what the process was of, conceiving of that and then the process of actually doing it and and shooting so much of it in 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 kind of a you know in one shot in one I, I don't know why I backed away from the microphone <laughs> to for an audio podcast but to you know to 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 see all that stuff in that in in one shot uh, and it's a very bold way to do it I just wanted to talk a little bit about that scene because it, 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 yeah, it should be simple a sex but, scene was it yeah right yeah yeah yeah, I mean, it was, it, yeah. it was something. I don't remember. <laughs> I mean, I do, kind of, but it was in one shot? What do you mean? Well, uh, there's a, a lot of it plays, uh, it's certainly the bulk of the beginning part of it plays kind of in this in this very beautiful shot facing the windows in the bedroom mm -hmm. um, where things are getting going, and then Jimmy stops it because he right. he they've made this agreement that if there's something that he doesn't want to tell her, he has to tell her. And he's had this yeah. meeting with Lalo. Lalo has said, do you want to be a friend of the cartel? Right. And he's he's mulling it. He's got a lot to think about. And mm -hmm. he's and he used to keeping to secrets. Yeah. yeah. He, he As they're about to, like, get 
super intimate, he sort of stops it and is like, there's something I want to tell you. Never mind. I'll tell you later. And she's like, no, 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 no. Let's talk about it. And he just, he kind of confides all of it. Mm -hmm. But this was one when we talked about it in the writer's room. And of course, we always, no matter what we're pitching and making together, we, we want the actors to love it. We want Ray and Bob to get behind it no matter what it is we want you to love it we're writing it for you this was one where we're like oh man I hope they like it I hope they feel like yeah this is a yes and so it was really cool to show up and have you guys not only be game but feel like totally yes the characters have earned it uh we this is where we are in our journey as characters we want this and 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 let's go for it and I thought you guys really did when Melissa created such a, a safe environment for that as well. Well, and I think that um, in the cinematography, you know, with Marshall Adams and the the lighting that he created with uh, Steve Latecki and Paul, our camera operator, like it was it the environment. I think was definitely um, like a warm one you know because of those I think those visual choices too like you know it's silhouette and like you know it's not about exposing body parts but like wait I wanted though to it is, crack it is my beautiful. ass, no. <laughs> <laughs> I asked your bodies look you, great and we got, we, that comes in different in another episode other don't episodes. worry about it it's fine please America must see <laughs> America demands but, it you know, we, you close the set down and you like what is it? So yeah, just, absolutely. We unless yeah. it's absolutely essential that we're the, uh, very comfortable playing these roles. Ray and I, I would, I don't know if I should speak for it, but we know each other pretty well and talk about these kinds of things. And uh, it, it helps to be able to keep your focus. That's the thing. It's not about um, embarrassment. I never feel like I'm me when I'm playing a character. It's weird. Um, That's interesting. There's that. I I did a scene uh, for Comic Relief 8 with David Cross, this naked phrase guest, where I had to get naked in Radio City Music Hall. And, (laughs) you know, I mean, I'm playing a guy who has to get naked. I'm not, Bob Odenkirk doesn't have to get naked. The guy I'm playing has to. Right. So I don't really feel like, I don't want to get naked anywhere except at home, you know. like a normal person but if the character has to do it then it's not it's not really me wow so i i don't that's fast think of that's it that great. way yeah i just don't think of it that way and that's you asked me about watching myself earlier and i i also just feel that way about that you know except for talk shows and talk shows is embarrassing for me oh, that's where really? i go well that's me i mean it's supposed to be me and then it feels like weird like it's not me and uh and can't I've you got, be talk show guy though can't you extend that logic I, and, you can and yeah. you do yeah but it isn't but you're not introduced as somebody else yeah you're introduced that's true. as you that's true and yeah. uh and so it, that's yeah. feels that's more unsettling and clammy yeah. to me than than hmm. uh anything i do yeah. in this realm but um but still you know what's good about just limiting the people on set is just your ability to focus that's what it's about right. i mean i've never heard that rant what's his face goes on about the lighting guy what is it oh christian uh, bale christian bale to get oh, this man but i get it yeah. you're just trying to focus oh there's yeah. also an outtake from joker why Joaquin do i know phoenix. this it yeah. was a talk show thing yeah probably it the internet the clips it's just your ability around, yeah. to focus right yeah, yeah. Of you course. know that's all and I, and when you're doing a intimate scene out of respect for the other person 
you don't want to have to do it 50 times. I mean, I may feel comfortable with it, but maybe Ray doesn't feel she should get to do this with focus as well as she can and then move on. Right. And not have to spend her whole day doing it. And and so you just want to, it's really about focus. It's not about, everyone's going to see it anyways. I mean, what does it matter? <laughs> right. It's going to be on TV. Right. So. And we, we cut it into like three little pieces, essentially, the like, you know, entry into bedroom you know where he picks mm-hmm. her up and then brings her into the bedroom and then we have sort of the bodice ripping section which we did separately actually in another room in the apartment with a different lighting setup so that was all like that that was like just pieces where you guys were taking mm-hmm. off your clothes and then the like very intimate love scene was like its own section mm-hmm. so and that was i think where we we did try to make sure there was complete focus and like and and where we're all just sort of looking out for them and making sure that it feels they look great you, and it feels great. You'd have great to ask Ray how she felt, but I was totally. It was crazy how, at this point, <laughs> maybe it's just because we've done it so much, you know, uh, on camera, kissed and hugged and stuff. Right. It's just playing the part. I mean, it's part of the characters and their world and their life. It just. We, I think we both feel the same way. We laughed about it, you know. Is If you asked me to kiss a stranger, I couldn't do it just like anyone. <laughs> but Ray and I, as these characters, could just kiss for... How, what do you want us to do? Just tell us, we'll do it. And we're in character, and that's what they do, and that's what they, how they express their feelings for each other. And it's not... It's just... You just do it 50 times. It's it's just get the shot you, you want. We'll play the part. We'll... With bring the feelings we you want to see, and it's just really amazingly uh, part of the job, and it feels completely like any other acting scene. Wow, it's weird. <laughs> and then I think the only other tricky part is just figuring out because we are on like still broadcast, broadcast television. television. Yeah, we have standards. Like, yeah, how to keep nudity. the standards and practices in check in a way that doesn't feel sort of silly or. It's not like Austin um, Powers, right. like yeah. covering yes. up with a flower pot or something. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So th- I think that's that was sort of the last piece of it. But yeah, I mean, it doesn't feel at all like actors trying to cover up nipples, like at all. <laughs> it doesn't feel that way at all. It fe- it just feels like two people in a bed. We just don't happen to see. You know, it's it's very it's very artfully done, and it's very it's very well executed. That's a great news. It's actually a fun scene. scene. I mean, after while we were watching it, we're like, "This is great." It felt good. Good, good. And uh, Ray just came and saw it. She loved it. Oh yeah, yeah, good. Um, The other scene I wanted to ask about that is also is deceptively complicated is the scene in the hotel room with Gus and Lydia and Herr Schuler. Who it's who are, is that? I the, thought you that were going to say the scene where the chicken slides down the thing. That was complicated. Well, that, no, that's, that's, I, I, that I actually read that and wondered how much. First of all, that's a lot of work. It seems. <laughs> yeah. And I'm curious to hear what you have to say about that. But first, talk about this scene that you're. Well, no, well, we can get into that. We can do whatever. Because I we wasn't want. there, so that's one reason I want to hear about the. Well, that stuff is, is greasy awesome. chicken slide. <laughs> um, well, let's let's finish. We'll, we'll finish up with the chicken explosion. Um, okay. Because Allison too. I the, so much of the scene is in what these three characters who keep themselves at arm's length from the world, and this scene is so much about what's not being said 
about three, this. There is clearly so much experience that these three people have had together that we just feel, and they're talking around these things. Do you remember Santiago? What the <laughs> fuck happened inside? Like, what happened? What have these guys been through? And what have the three of them been through in in every way? And and just talk a little bit about the difficulties of of writing a scene where nobody is saying the, the thing that they're all talking about and or that everybody is feeling this is a fun scene if you like writing subtext which i do (laughs) (laughs) so we wanted and peter and i and all of the writers we talked about it quite a lot we wanted the feeling of layers of unspoken intimate and complicated history and i think that lands and that feels like a, a a satisfying accomplishment to me in the scene where just as you said Chris where there's a lot going on most of it unspoken and maybe a little bit of a spicy feeling between the three of these where we're like I'm not sure exactly what this relationship (laughs) is Um, and it was a hard scene to stage so maybe Melissa can talk about that well it was also like my first day and um, what a what a what a yeah. scene to start with. Yeah, which was, it was not my very first scene, but it was it was the we started at um, Madrigal, Houston, mm-hmm. and then moved to the hotel because um, Norbert was only available for like a day and a half. He plays Herr Schuler. Yes, who plays Herr Schuler, um, and who is German? I think he is actually lives in the U.S. Oh, okay. I believe, but he is German. And Laura Fraser, who plays Lydia, is Scottish and does not live here and was doing another show. And we were in a real hotel suite that our art department created, you know, sort of these two these two different spaces out of a space that is not what it looked like initially. They so, really transformed it yeah. in a beautiful way. Those are not a, are those actually adjoining rooms? They I believe they put that door in that connected those two spaces. The the, the room that was only Gus's, that is not the entry door uh, um, that he comes in. Like that was a fake door that they ha, created. Wow, we were so fake. I had no idea. We were avoiding like a Kiva fireplace because that really suggests that you are in, New, in Mexico New Mexico sure. instead of Houston. Wow. So like, I mean, uh, yeah, it was amazing. And the art that they were able to bring in to make it all feel like a unified space. I mean, they, they really did a fantastic job. So they actually job. did construction where they put in a plug to like a piece of drywall and, yeah. and, and put, a, put a new wall. Well, in. more than one. There wow. was a, the wall was there to connect them, but they weren't like a two, you know, there was no sort of two doors that, you know, o- well, they put a second one another. Door, a fake yeah. door on the other side of yeah. the real door. Gotcha. Yeah. Wow. Um, so it was, it was very different from when we showed up there. And what happens next door if you're if you're like some this is one of the casinos in town mm-hmm. and when you're San some Dio. high roller and you're uh, which is a very nice facility by the way but you're you're staying next door and they're like all these people are, are you know going in and out of this other room. how does that work i think we were really lucky they were under construction in that particular wing okay. so we sort of had this wing gotcha. to ourselves just because they happen to be working on that area that of course comes with trouble because then if people are working their sound and <laughs> so there's always some kind of wrinkle to it gotcha. but we got to use that space which it's a and it's an actually really nice suite and there was room for us to you know sit and you know and have video village there too so it was it was a great space but like um you know because there's so much subtext all the actors had to kind of come up with their own ideas about exactly what had gone down and then had to play all of these um, feelings and all of these pressures and you know and and uh, Gus like he is truly 
you know, at war on all fronts. Like he's trying to like calm Schuler down. He's trying to like keep Lydia in line. He's trying to deal with Lalo. He's, you know, he's dealing with this Los Pollos threat. Like he, and, and keep Nacho in check. He's just got like a lot going on. And, and he's trying, and he has to kind of push all of his stress aside and focus on Schuler and like knock these things out one at a time. And he, he does that the best he can, but there are moments where we see how much pressure he's under. We see how hard that is. Right. And like, I think I love those moments. I love the moment he walks in. I love them. You know, oh, that the, little look, yeah. the little look yeah. that the two, the two of them exchange yeah. is just speaks volumes. Yeah. It's so much fun to see uh, Gus, who's usually so closed down and so removed and we've seen him be kind of actually sadistic to his employees a little bit certainly that poor kid in episode four uh but to <laughs> see him more or less be the corner man for the for a for a boxer and say, you can go out there you can do it and it's just it's such a different being a you know a little bit of a cheerleader and and a, and a friend um, in that scene is such a different note for for uh, for the character for Giancarlo. I just love it. I just love I love seeing him have to prop this this wussy guy up uh, who is who is obviously yeah. important to him. It's, it's wonderful. Hey, it's Chris McCaleb. Pardon the interruption. We're going to take a little trip in the Wayback Machine when we were interviewing Giancarlo during the Five Hundred Five podcast. We wound up talking a little bit about this scene and. Let's go now to hear his thoughts. What was it like doing that scene? Oh. Because there, there, there's, there is such a heavy past shrouding everything and everyone in the room. Again, our lovely and most amazing writing uh, and, and also great, really wonderful scene partners. You know, to have on the day to get to know a human being. I've had some scenes with Lydia, but with Schuler, no. And to get to know someone very, very quickly get inside their eyes, hang around their energy, have to really care about them, but what a great and incredible actor. Then the music starts because that caring, I had to create that caring for this man who is falling apart again. Mm-hmm. Gotta bring him back, gotta empower him, gotta say it's okay. You know, it's it's really again, partly as Peter mentioned, that teacher, soothing, you know, compassionate, understanding. Uh, all of those things, those are, he's needing that real emotion. The guy is flipping out. Right. And we started something together. I have to assure him a little bit longer, a little bit longer, however that's going to work. Um, uh, and so you feel that balloon about to burst in that scene. Yes. You feel that. Yes. And you feel Lydia, you know, just in saying, gosh, look, this guy is going to lose it. We're all going to be done. <laughs> it is. Um, so it's really wonderful to have that build up. And for me as Gus, it was great to be in service to someone else, mm-hmm. like really in that kind way. Like even if it all crashed, I, I, I got to save this guy's emotions and his. I've got to save his spirit right now. Because we had been through some stuff before. Yes. And part of that story gets told and unraveled. And you realize how much respect they have for each other and how much love they have for each other. Yes. So it's like a brother that you've got to pull back from the brink. Mm-hmm. And so one of one of my favorite scenes ever because I, I got a chance to do something I don't normally do as Gustavo Fring. And that's always a pleasure. It's such a challenging scene, too. Because most of it is what's not being said, 
and and also you've got this confined room. It was also the first day of shooting. And that, by uh, the way, Melissa Bernstein's yeah. first day of directing, yes. uh, which was you know, and she brought home such a wonderful. Mm-hmm. Thing. It's just a nuanced, great scene. Truly, truly did, and a nuanced, great episode, uh, and wonderful to have the sensibility of that female sensibility that. Um, is always so nurturing, mm-hmm. you know, and, that, and that's who Melissa is, very clear, but very nurturing. Mm-hmm. So when I looked at her um, and the notes she gave me were so very wonderful, I quickly realized, wow, look how she nurtures with what works, with what that feeling that she's getting that really works, go more in that direction. Mm-hmm. And I thought to myself, wow, I can bring all of that to the, the, the more of that feeling uh, to take care of someone, to, to hold a place for them. Right. You know, and, and how do we do that in our own lives? Hold a place for someone else, no matter what you feel about them. And I'm, I'm learning more and more of that with kids in my life, teenagers, mm-hmm. young mm-hmm. adults. You know, it's like, oh, okay, I have to remind myself, oh, she's, this is her headspace. Think about where that's at. Right. You know, all the things that, that come with that, last year of college, all these other, th- going into the world, all those. So you got to think ahead and go, how do I nurture that? I don't want to be the guy that has no patience and go, hey, you're on your own now, kid. <laughs> you know? <laughs> I want to be the guy that says, hey, you know, check in with me. Let me help you if I can. I got to let you swim a little bit on your own for a few miles. But I'm here. Don't be, don't, you know. So who is that person? And how do we get a chance to know that person and what that person's real intentions and intuitions are in that regard? And so we're in a world we want to get right to it, baby. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yes. We got these phones and all we want all the knowledge, get right to it right away. So it feels uncomfortable to be floating in a place where we don't know, especially we can go right to Google or right here and know it all. But you right. know, isn't it nice not to know it all sometimes? We hate being uncomfortable. Isn't it bummer? <laughs> yeah. You know, it's it's so much better. Pete Holmes, the comedian, has a whole a long bit about how Google's ruining our lives and how there's no there's no chance to be impregnated with wonder. Like you, you're, the time between knowing and not knowing is so short that it knowing feels like not knowing, and I think just having that moment of 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 like God of wondering or of not knowing and 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 being uncomfortable, yeah, I, I th- it's a really undervalued feeling because it it's momentarily uncomfortable, but ultimately you you're, you're everything is so much more so much richer when you get through that. It, it, it's something, there's a big difference between having a fact and, and knowing things and uh, it's, it's uh, having a skill. Uh, those, are, those, are, those are very different. Those are very, having, you know, have, being able to Google something and say, oh, that's the answer is a very different thing from actually going through an experience, which I think is, is, what, is what you guys are talking about. Uh, anyway, this wow, this is deep. It this is. is. This We're is, getting this philosophical. Is as, I like this. Is this is as deep as we. I, I'm not surprised. <laughs> yeah. I'm not surprised. This is as deep as we go. Um, That's a great point, though, Peter. A truly great point because what do we encourage each other to do? Or to remember when we're having that moment is what what has your experience been, and when do we ask that uh, of each other? What is your what what is your experience? Not that you have to, you know. I, I'm I'm happy not to know. I'm happy that I could reach for that to know. But why not let it linger in that place where, hmm, you know, I don't really know. I don't really remember. What are the seven deadly sins? <laughs> I love even just being alone with him I do in too. his hotel room. It's so <laughs> odd yeah. to be have this like 
almost like not Mr. Rogers, yeah. but it, it's it, it, just this time where he's 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 getting changed from the day. He's he's getting comfortable in a in a, a very in a very like exact protracted way. It speaks so much to that character, um, getting to sort of just be alone with him. And I, I have to say, one of the things that. I, I, that makes a big difference to me in an episode the casting of the folks who are just in for a day because again it's a very tough situation to be an actor coming at, you're going to come on Better Call Saul you're going to play a scene <laughs> no with pressure. with Giancarlo Esposito or Bob Odenkirk and you're just going to you're going to have you're going to have your moment and it's really t- and these smaller roles uh, especially the the bellhop I think is just such a wonderful job He's and also awesome. also. <laughs> Allison Yates, who plays the Whisker Stays CEO, oh uh, who <laughs> brings all that enthusiasm to this, it just and how uh, much the, dialogue these, that yeah, woman had. These people you know. are, you know, and, they, and it's it's a gift to us when Avocado someone comes mania. in, comes in prepared, and and also uh, just bring bring something extra to the scene. It's, it's uh, and I know Bob. That's that's uh, that's certainly you've been in a lot of scenes with folks who are just in there for the day. What do you do when you have you're presented with someone? Who's just there to do a line or a moment? What is there something that you you do to to oh, I don't prep know. that? We do try to rehearse, you know, even with people who are stopping in quick, even even before we get to set. If we can have them come over or, you know, uh, and run a scene, we try to do that. You know, I know as an actor coming into stuff, other people's projects where I'm maybe not the most important actor or lead actor. Um, that you know your goal, your your biggest concern, or my biggest concern, I think a lot of people share is get the tone right. Like mm-hmm. you're not always sure what the people want from you. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I would imagine in our show that that is a, an issue because our show can get very comic and get very personal and intimate and small and and it, it just kind of moves around a awful lot. There's just a wide dynamic range, you know, and. And so as an actor, you're like, just help me know where we're living in this scene. And so that's really like the main thing, mm-hmm. right, is to just mm-hmm. have that sense. And so you try to help them get that and run it. And yeah, I don't know. That's one of the challenges of acting is going into these different scenes. You know, it's a wonderful gift to go to different parts of the world and, and different scenarios, but it is intimidating. I, I do think. I, for me, it's very intimidating. I think real pro actors, they get used to it. Mm-hmm. They're just used to like, that, that's what I do. I fly in. I be a different person. I try to acclimate as quick as I can and take direction if I need it. But um, I'm a little amazed at that, you know, because I'm used to getting to sort of work alongside you guys and and ask questions and understand things before we start and real actors <laughs> i mean honestly they they really get I, I it seems to me they get used to uh being thrown in to the fucking uh thunderdome and fight it out <laughs> i found it terrifying you know? when i was a young actor i didn't do a lot of film and television i only did a little bit i came from a theater background so i was used to having weeks sometimes months of rehearsal and then all of a sudden even though these teeny parts i was playing you know like the reporter who steps in and says one thing or whatever the fact that it was just like that's it you're on go was oh my god i remember my heart pounding and just like you have to get your shit together immediately in the post the movie the post 
the, the character I played, Ben Beck Dickin, it's a pretty big role, mm-hmm. right? He like it's like the subplot that it takes That's up a, a fair role. amount of yeah. screen time. And uh, I read Beck Dickin's autobiography and and read about him, and uh, he's an interesting guy. And I was at this event in New York, and Spielberg was there, and it was two weeks before we were going to shoot the movie, and he wanted to say hi to me. I went over and said hi, and chatted briefly and he had a big smile on his face and and he said something about the role and I go you know it's interesting about Ben and I started talking about the character and I could see his eyes glaze over <laughs> <laughs> like what are you talking about I don't really want to get into I don't have anything to say you know and 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 that's been my experience in, in a number of projects when and I think the way people look at it is, well, that's your job. You're mm-hmm. the actor. You, you do the part. You know, I don't have to help you with that. You don't. You're not going to help me direct. I'm. <laughs> I'm going to do my part. You do your part. Be ready. And uh, mm-hmm. and and so, I think you know, actors have to get kind of good at at reading cues quick, trying to adjust, tone in. See, mm-hmm. for me, that's the biggest concern. Is like, help me understand where this thing lives like what the spin is you you're looking for here what the tone is and what would an answer be like if you say what what's an answer to your question what would that sound like if you asked it what's the tone here what what well in our case <laughs> you it depends on the scene mm-hmm. i mean we get pretty fucking comic at times like really it's always in the real world it's never a sketch but the difference between the characters in some of those scenes with the, you know, with the the crew, you know, the scene that's where I'm in the nail salon and we're shooting a commercial. I mean, that's some pretty comic stuff. That's, yeah. Oh yeah. Right, you know, we did stuff on that level on in Mr. And Show. And acting. Or when Kim yeah, and Jimmy were in the fun. kitchen, I was uh, making fun of Kevin Wachtel, do it like playing each other. That's where so she's good. kind of talking like this, and Jimmy's pretending to be yeah, yeah. Kim. Yeah, yeah. yeah I like that's that. funny. Yeah, yeah. It's one I of mean, the I best think the one the thing season. you can never do that that they let you do in sketch comedy, although we tried not to do it in Mr. Show, but in Saturday Night Live, and in a lot of comedy movies, it's okay for the performer to seemingly uh, enjoy their own performance, mm-hmm. be an audience to their own comedy. Well, that's interesting. That's something you can see even in a, in a feature comedy movie, you know, um, and the audience goes, it's fine. Yeah, it's really funny what you're doing, Will Ferrell or Mike Myers. And I can see that you're laughing at it, too. You're, mm. you're digging in so deep that mm-hmm. you're clearly very self-aware of how funny this is. And that's fine. It doesn't wreck mm. the movie. It doesn't take you out of the movie. We can, that we can't do. Mm-hmm. Yep. We can't that's right. go there. But you can get right up to the edge. Mm. That's so, so... Yeah. Well, I know we have to wrap it up um, in a, in a minute, but I, I just I, when and we'll do is we'll we'll do a quick wrap up. But I I would just we'd be remiss to not talk about the the chicken and the, yes, the, the sliding the building chicken. of that place. They 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 basically made a place look like a Poyos Hermanos location from an empty restaurant that they were gonna tear down. Yeah, that was like Chris. I, I, honestly, I I thought it was gonna be like a little bit more straightforward. And then Christian, our location manager, is like, I found a 
a former fast food restaurant that is going to be demolished. And they've said, we can blow it up. I was like, what? <laughs> we did what? Like, I honestly couldn't believe that like, that is what he set his sights on and uh, and accomplished for us. And then we went in there, and it was a Blake's Lotta Burger, I think. And, um, and Blake's it, has always been very good to us, by the way. Us, yeah. By the way, it's a local chain that's – I'm sorry. Yes. A little PSA. They, they really, they've been great for us. And they on Breaking Bad, they let us – Use their bag even with a hamburger that was in the story poisoned, which most <laughs> most fast food chains will not allow you to impl- imply that any of the food might, might be poisoned. Any, 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 any point awesome. might be poisoned. They're so, awesome. And yeah. they and here's another example of Blake. So yes, if, when you're, when they're Albuquerque, go to Blake's. And I, I also thought, like, it's a restaurant where destro- that Nacho's going in there and just destroying. So I'm like, well, they they don't have to go to. And, and you, we're going to, we can do it in kind of a montage. Like, we don't need to have every single thing, like, set like a real restaurant. But no, like, the art department, like, cutting, you know, se- like, windows into walls that, like, you know, I mean, that would be real and be there. But the, it was, like, well beyond what I um, had anticipated being handed. And It, like, it was just, more or less an empty shell. Yeah. The location was more, isn't, isn't that yeah, right? Yeah. yeah. And, and then, it, it looks and then, like a fully functioning restaurant. Yeah. Sure and does. it did to us too. They created a restaurant. Yeah. Wow. And, and then we, we destroyed it. We should, yeah. yeah, we should have started serving food it, there. It's, it's probably, probably worth pointing out to folks. Sometimes folks, I found this on Breaking Bad too, sometimes folks get confused. It's not intended story-wise to be the main flagship uh, Poyos Hermanos that, that we see him in 99.9% yeah, of the time. Yeah, where Gus's office It's in Los Lunas. It's, so, yeah, it's good to remind people that it's uh, that he has a chain of, you know, many of these. Like, a, so. yeah, a regional chain. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, and there are little markers here and there if you care to find them. But, like, it is something that that I think some people will miss. That's true. And, you know, and Werner Heinlein and his team, uh, the special effects, our special effects head, like, blew this restaurant up. And there's no special effects involved. I mean, sorry, no, there's no, no visual effects yeah. involved. Like he, he did. Like their team did this. It was insane. Yeah. And the way we worked it out is we wanted to make sure Gus got into his car, and and we wanted to see a reflection of the um, burning restaurant in the car. So that's why we positioned um, Gus's car where we had it. But Princess, our line producer, was like, "Oh wait a second, I don't think we talked about making sure it was going to burn." I was like, "Did you see how many explosives are in there? Like it's going <laughs> to burn. Like this is the one thing I'm not worried about." And it and it was. It was majestic. And amazing and it was like breathtaking it, getting the dailies back and just so you're you know this was not cavalier there were other cameras running on the thing just in case but the the hero shot where the explosion goes off behind gus it, it's just it's so perfect yeah and that was the it's, operating from paul donicky which is so confident and 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 john carlo not flinching while a building is literally flinch? It's unbelievable. You didn't, you he's didn't, an amazing you didn't freeze his eyelids because you can do that. So no. He doesn't blink. He, no. didn't, he didn't even blink? No. Jesus. I don't think we did anything I mean, at and the building is blowing up behind him. Like, he could feel the heat. I mean, we worked out where um, Al Goto, our um, uh, stunts coordinator, would feel safe with the, it happening. But, like, it is... No joke. And, like, and it was it was It was, it was really fun. Yeah. It was the last thing we shot. Um, because Rich scheduled it that way so smartly, and it was like an exclamation point on an already pretty amazing experience, yeah. and we were like, all very excited. The that, city, that, they started, like, after it happened, there was like a, woo! 
Yeah. <laughs> like of like not just our crew, like no. other people wow. around. Now, what about thinking of a sequence like that? What was the writing like to cook up, you know, the chicken and the pro- the the plot of 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 his little plan. The chicken idea, I feel like, came from a writer in the room who had some restaurant experience and had mm-hmm. shared with us that. And I mean, maybe some of our listeners know this from watching frozen turkey videos on YouTube, but I didn't really know. Um, so she shared that a, a frozen item into a hot boiling will, will vat, explode. Yes, will ex- that will explode? Why is that? Um, the chemistry of it. Yeah, it's going to take a different podcast. It's all about yeah. the chemistry. <laughs> I'm s- smart about some things, but I don't. Yeah, there's some chemical interaction, the volatility between the. It has to be frozen. Yeah, it's the water, right? So, which Pretty we actually fun. did talk about in the room because we know that Gus's chickens are not frozen. Which, so which he, I unfortunately uh, put in his dialogue in episode one this season. I think that's the, helpful. I think yes. because then you really understand. I love actually the the shot, the special of Gus turning the frozen chicken in prep it is so ocd the way he turns that tray in preparation before putting it onto the slide to get it in anyway we talked about it we talked about it quite a lot and then the spelling of it out in the script was an interesting challenge and then the realizing it i think was a whole other level actually my uh, young teenage daughter was in on some discussions around this and mm. she still says to me i can't wait to see the turkey no. <laughs> and if you subscribe to our chicken. new podcast turkey time it's going to be an in-depth look at this can't whole wait. episode it's it looks pretty great. cool but it, it is only one as i recall is only one chicken in the freezer so yes, he right. set yes. that he up in advance. He planted it. Yes. 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 Oh, like, yeah. yeah. So he, I think uh, his uh, good quality chicken is still assured. And he's, yeah. and he's, Absolutely. he's also he's yeah. also uh, there's there's gas escaping too. So yes. it's not strictly, oh, yeah. he's, he's not strictly a chicken explosion. He's left nothing to chance. Yes. And and just to say and this is something that Werner said to me before is like the explosion I know it looks really impressive but like I got that down. My team's got that down. We know how to do that with our almost with our eye shot. Like we can, but like the the thing of like moving this frozen chicken down the tray, that's actually something that takes like weeks to figure out. Yeah. You know, and and Bob House was like with me in the like trenches of that. It took point <laughs> and like where you have like a a real chicken and where you have um, a fake chicken that's been painted to look iced and where wow. you have fishing line that's mm-hmm. attaching it and then you know we're taking that out in uh, post and right. like I mean there's so much to that we uh, that actually yeah. was pretty that is fun funny. too but it was uh, it not yeah, it was blowing up a building doesn't require any visual effects but just sliding a chicken down a metal ramp that that's yeah. where the visual effects are. I think definitely more an- man hours than that. Wow. All right. Well, that's where we have to leave it uh, unfortunately but thank you guys for coming in today and talking about the episode. Great and, job, Chris, uh, oh, on this episode. Well, great Thank job you. you on this episode for your directorial debut. It's, it's really incredible. Thank you guys for listening. And uh, Bob, you know, since the first episode we ever did of this this podcast, we close out with somebody doing their best Bob Odenkirk, oh, Better Call Saul. Yeah, I can see it. Will you take us out? Sure. Better Call Saul. Yeah. yeah. yeah.